0: Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, we're continuing in our Advent sermon series on Jesus Christ the highest, and this morning we'll be looking at Christ exalted to the highest place. Philippians chapter 2, we'll look at, read verses 5 through 11, but the sermon will focus on verses 9 through 11. This is God's holy word and truth to us. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he To the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, as your word is opened up to us this morning, would you teach us? Would you instruct our hearts? Would you help us to worship Jesus as we study your word? We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, we're just coming off a big season this time of year, right? Football is king here in the South. A lot of our conversations involve football. Specifically this past weekend, the conversation uh, turned toward who is going to win the Heisman Trophy, right? And I can remember, you know, not so far back, you know, almost 10 years ago now, it was Tim Tebow, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. Remember, everyone was saying is he the greatest college football player of all time i mean look at what he's done he has got to be the greatest he's exalted to the greatest and then came this fella named cam newton <laughs> and no no cam newton he is the greatest football player in college of all time and then came this guy named robert griffin no robert griffin the third he is the greatest <laughs> And after him, this Johnny Manziel, I mean, look at Johnny Manziel. He's the greatest college football player of all time. And then this year, last night, Jameis Winston, he's the greatest, right? He's the greatest college football player of all time. It it always changes. Every minute on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever, we're ready to, to make someone the greatest of something at all time. There's always someone rising to the top of their sport. But as we come to Philippians chapter 2, we see something very different here. Because there is one who has been exalted to the supreme position in all the universe, and he will never be dethroned. He will always be the champion. His exaltation will never be matched. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. The King of the Cosmos, the Lord of Lords, the God of Gods, the Mighty One, Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the King of Heaven, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Bread of Life, the Great Shepherd, the Lamb of God, the Rock, the Lover of our souls. This Christmas, could we just focus on Jesus? Could we focus on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and see that he is far better than anything this world has to offer. That he is far more exalted than anyone who ever has been exalted. Let's center our worship, our lives, even right now, on the exaltation of Jesus Christ. That is what this passage does for us. Verses 6 through 11 in Philippians chapter 2 has been called in the early church the hymn of Christ. It's believed to be an early church hymn or creed that Christians would gather together in church and sing or recite. But here Paul hijacks this hymn or this creed to show us the high exaltation of Jesus Christ and to show us that he is the greatest in all of Scripture. This passage is a wonderful Uh, treatise for us on Christology, on how great and wonderful Jesus Christ is. And look there with me in verses 6 through 8, the first part of this hymn. It begins with the humiliation of Christ. He humbled himself. He was born in a lowly state. He was born in a a manger, in a, a feeding trough. Look at the humiliation in which he came into the world. The Son of God lowered himself, humiliated himself to this. But this hymn doesn't stop there; it goes higher and higher and higher to the highest. In verses nine through eleven, we see the supreme glory with which Jesus now has and stand, stands in. So this passage is the perfect passage for us to meditate on at Christmas time, because it exclusively draws our hearts and our minds to Jesus Christ. It helps us exalt. Jesus Christ. This is what we want, and this is what we need at this time of year in Christmas, but every day of the Christian life, a mind and a heart that is focused and drawn to God, the Father, specifically as He has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. So when we think of Christmas, when we celebrate Christmas, the first thought that we want to be on our minds and our hearts is Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. And at Christmas, we don't just go to the manger and think, oh, how sweet the baby Jesus. But we also go to the cross and we confess and we proclaim, oh, what wondrous love that he was born to die for us. But God, the father did not leave Jesus in the manger, nor did he leave him on the cross. God the Father exalted Jesus Christ and gave Him the supreme glory of the entire universe. Because Christmas is about the love of God the Father sending God the Son, His only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, to be born into humiliation, to be born into this lowly estate. And He was born so that He could be exalted to the highest place supreme position in all the world. Christ died on the cross for our sins. Therefore, God the Father super-exalted Him so that Jesus Christ is to be worshipped as Lord. If you look with me there in verse 9, most of your Bibles will read that, therefore, God has highly exalted Christ. You see that word, highly exalted This is a transliteration of one Greek word, a Greek word that Paul made up. Paul was pretty good at making up words. So he took one word that kind of means super and hyper and another Greek word that means exalted and he smashed them together (laughs) to help us see this super exaltation, this high exaltation, this supreme exaltation that has been given to Jesus Christ. So this is Paul's way of saying, when he says that God highly exalted him, it means that he is supremely, sovereignly exalted. There is no one else who matches this position, this exaltation that Jesus now stands in. The writer of Hebrews echoes this in Hebrews 1 verse 3. Listen, he is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this supreme position, this high exaltation that Jesus has been given is at the right hand of God the Father, and there is no one else who can claim this type of elevation in rank, this high exaltation. So Philippians 2, specifically verses 9 through 11, is about the super exaltation of Christ. So I want us to look at this passage in light of three things. We want us to look at the exaltation of Christ to the highest place, gave him a name, which will result in a knee, which will result in fulfilling a need in our lives. So we'll look at a name, a knee, and a need. The first is the exaltation of Christ gave him a name. We see that in verse 9. This passage again is amazing. And, and, and the, the wonderful and beautiful mystery of God the Father, the triune God, is, is shown to us here. It's as if the, the curtain of heaven is drawn back just a bit so that we can peer in and see this beautiful interplay taking to place between God the Father and God the Son. And God the Father is about to do something utterly amazing, something totally unexpected. He is going to place the supreme emphasis of glory and worship on Jesus Christ, whom He has exalted to the highest position in the cosmos. And this happens because what we read here in verse 9, we see the word, therefore. And when you're studying the Scripture on your own or in a Bible study or meditating on it, let me tell you a good, uh, a, little, a good secret here for Bible study. Whenever in Scripture, specifically in the New Testament, and you see the word, therefore, ask this question. What is the therefore, therefore? <laughs> Why is it there? What is Paul, what is this hymn referring to? Therefore is referring to the preceding verses. Why did God highly exalt Jesus and give him the name that is above all names? Verses six through eight tell us is because of his humiliation, because in being born in a lowly manger, because in becoming a man and dying on the cross, because of Christmas. God super exalted, highly exalted Jesus because of Christmas and Easter. But at Christmas specifically, we see the poverty in which Jesus was born into. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Philippians 2 is also, this hymn is is just an explanation of what Jesus says about Himself, specifically in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 45, He tells His disciples, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Therefore, because of this humiliation, therefore, God has highly exalted. He has super exalted Jesus Christ and gave him the name that is above all names. And so you're reading along and you're studying this passage with me with me. And your immediate thought is you look at this verse and say, Ah, I know that name that is above all names. It's Jesus, right? That's the first word that I want my children to say, Jesus, instead of, you know, go dogs or no, (laughs) Jesus, how sweet the name, but let's think about that for a moment, Jesus is a powerful name, it comes from its Old Testament equivalent, the Hebrew word Joshua, Joshua means the Lord saves the name Jesus and Joshua are very common names. They're common today, and they were common back during ancient times. Is that the name that is above all names? Well, we must dig deeper here to see what this hymn and what, what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. And we read down to verse 11 where we find that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord. Now, I'm sorry to get all kind of brainiac on on you. I'm I'm not a super nerd, but I'm going to talk about the Greek again. (laughs) And the Greek word for this word Lord is kurios. You've probably heard that before. Kurios. And at plain sight, the translation of this word kurios means master or Lord or ruler. But here in verse 11... We see the Greek word kurios is employed in a very curious way. Because the word kurios is ascribed to Jesus Christ. The text says Jesus Christ is Lord. But it seems that the, the writer of this hymn, and even the Apostle Paul, is trying to say much more than just Jesus Christ is master or Jesus Christ is ruler have something more in mind. And to to understand this name that is above all names, we have to go to our Old Testaments. If you were to flip right now through your Old Testaments, you would see the name name and names of God used all over the place. But in most of our English Bibles, one of the things that we would see a lot is when the name of God is used as Lord in the Old Testament, it is spelled Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. All capital letters, Lord. And what your translation is doing is it's trying to show that this is more than just any Lord or just any master, just any ruler. This is actually the proper name of God. The name that you have heard, Yahweh or Jehovah. So when your Bibles have that capitals L-O-R-D... It is trying to show you that this is the name that is given to Moses. I am that I am the name Yahweh or Jehovah. But the early Christians in the early church, when they were reading and studying their Old Testaments, they didn't have a Bible like you and I did. If they wanted to read the Old Testament in their common language, they used the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And that Greek translation was called the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, whoever the scribes and writers were that compiled the Old Testament together into a Greek common language that they could read, instead of using the word Yahweh, every time the proper name of God, Yahweh, or Jehovah appeared in the text, they used the word Kyrios, Lord. And so that is the way they refer to the common name, uh, the, the proper name of God, Yahweh. They used Kyrios. So here in this passage, back to Philippians chapter 2, when this hymn says that Jesus Christ is Lord, it is the same thing as saying that Jesus Christ is Yahweh. Jesus is Yahweh. Yahweh is a strong name. It's a powerful name. It is the personal covenant name of God. It is the name that is above all names. And the compilers of the Septuagint wouldn't dare even begin to touch it or use it. And so they used the name Kyrios. And God the Father says, Jesus is Yahweh. This is no surprise to us. We read in the Gospels, specifically in John chapter 8, where Jesus tells us, Before Abraham was, I am. He's playing off the name of God. I am that I am is how God revealed himself to Moses in the covenant name that God gave to Abraham. Jesus says, I am him. I am Yahweh. This is truly amazing. This is why the whole Bible matters. This is why the whole storyline of the Bible is beautiful because it's all about Jesus. Jesus is Yahweh. He is the Savior of Israel. He's the Redeemer of Israel. Jesus is Yahweh, the name above all names. He is the glorious one who came down and died and rose again and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning gloriously. Just as much so as God was burning on Mount Sinai in all his glory. He is the one, though, that was born in a lowly manger. He lived a life in poverty. He was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. He was the one from whom men hide their faces. He was the one who was obedient, even obedient to death on a cruel, scandalous cross. Yet, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And so I ask you this morning, do you see it? Do you see it? That Jesus has been exalted to the highest place and given the name that is above all names and there's no one higher or greater than him. Paul reiterates this in Ephesians chapter 1 when he states that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and a power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body The fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is the exalted one. The name above all names. And this exaltation of Christ will result in a knee being bowed to him. The result of God the Father bestowing upon God the Son the name that is above all names is so that the global and cosmic worship would be given to Jesus Christ the King and the Savior. Why did God the Father exalt, super exalt, God the Son? Why has the name that is above all names been given to Jesus? It's so that He would be worshipped. It's so that He would be worshipped. And it's curious, look in verse 11 there at the end. Curious that it says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess and worship Jesus Christ And this will be to the glory of God the Father. How is it that it is giving glory to God the Father is giving glory to Jesus Christ? How does that work? Well, John Stott is helpful here. He states, because you cannot do one without the other. You cannot do one without the other. When Jesus Christ is worshipped and glorified, God the Father is worshipped and glorified. So to worship Jesus is to worship God. You know, now down here in the South, I mean, you go ask anyone on the street, hey, do you believe in God? Sure, I believe in God. Or people even tell you, hey, man, you know, don't don't worry me with that. I mean, I believe in God. What does that mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? What God are you talking about? I mean, we live in the day, there are a lot of gods, and you can make up your own God if you want to. The question is, Not do you believe in God, do you worship Jesus? Because to believe in God, the God of the Bible, is to worship Jesus. Since Jesus has been highly exalted by God the Father, the way to worship the Father is to worship the Son, the one whom He has highly exalted and said, worship Him. It is God the Father's will that we would worship God the Son. And the global and universal truth is that, ev- that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And at Christmas time we say, Let heaven and earth rejoice. But in verse 10, to get the point home here, the hymn employs a very interesting convention. To make the point that the universal truth that Jesus is to be worshipped and glorified, it states that every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This is the Bible's way of driving the point home. We're going into three spheres here. The first is that every knee will bow and every tongue confess in heaven. This confession will be made and is being made right now by the angels. If you go and read the book of Revelation, it's not about end times prophecy so we can write thrilling books. It's about worship. Because page after page, there's song after song of giving glory to the Lamb that was slain, the Lord Jesus Christ, the name above all names. And the angels long to to worship and sing praise to Jesus. And they are enamored by the gospel. Because in in 1 Peter 1, we see, as as Peter is explaining this good news of the gospel, he says that even the angels long to look into the consummation of all things under Jesus Christ's lordship. The angels, the heavenly hosts, are singing praise, bowing the knee, and confessing that Jesus is Lord. I don't know about you guys, but that is that's comforting to me. That we get to, we this morning get to join in the chorus of heaven, those angelic voices and beings praising that Jesus Christ is Lord. And not only every knee will bow in heaven on earth, but every knee will bow and every tongue confess on earth. This confession will be made that Jesus Christ is Lord by all men and women. Everyone who has been made in the image of God, whoever lived, whoever's living now, and whoever will live, will bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. Every believer and every non-believer will do this. This is very important. We live in the age, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, and if you have one of these stickers on your car, I'm sorry, but tolerance is... And, and coexist is not reality. Jesus is reality. because what the Bible is saying here, every knee will bow. every Jewish knee, every Hindu knee, every Buddhist knee, every atheist knee, every apathetic knee, every student home from college knee, every child's knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee. Now, Christians and people are very upset right now over a billboard that's in Times Square in New York right now. And this billboard was put up by a group group of atheists that says the question, who needs Christ during Christmas? Answer, nobody. Now, first off, that's just dumb, because the word Christ is in Christmas. Okay, so call it something else. But this is a false reality, because everybody needs Christ. And everybody will bow a knee to him. And to drive this point home, the hymn says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess under the earth. This confession will be made by the demons, by those who have rebelled against Almighty God. Even Satan himself will bow his knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is also further emphasized by what Pastor Mercer read from Isaiah 45 that every knee will bow and everyone will confess that God is almighty, that Jesus is Lord. I'll have to confess to you this morning that a few weeks ago I, I chickened out. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be bold and courageous and, you know, be perfect at apologetics and all those things. And lo and behold, I'm getting ready for work and I'm going out the door to come to church And I am greeted by some Jehovah's Witnesses. And a very nice gentleman and lady uh, greeted me in my driveway, right? So here's my perfect opportunity to get them some Jesus. But I had not done my apologetic study that morning on Jehovah's Witnesses. I try to stick primarily with the Christian Bible. But Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe That Jesus is the eternal son of God. They do not believe that he is Yahweh God. And they do not believe in the Trinity. This is a huge problem for Jehovah's Witnesses. Because the clear teaching of scripture as we have just read as we read throughout the whole Bible. That to worship God the father is to worship God the son. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is God. He is Yahweh God. Jesus Christ is Lord. And the only way to worship God, the only way to honor God the Father, is to give honor to Jesus Christ. Because this is what He said to do. If you do not worship and do not give glory to Jesus, then you're not a Christian. You cannot have Christmas with no Christ because everybody needs Christ. You will not have eternal life if you do not worship Jesus. To worship God is to give the highest honor and glory to Jesus. This means to bow your knee to Him and to worship and confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And this exaltation of Christ fulfills a need in our lives. We have a great need. Perhaps one of the best, greatest statements ever penned by a human being is found in a system of of the way that we study the, the teaching of the Bible called the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Shorter Catechism. Our children learning here in church ask questions of the Bible and give answers to learn what the Bible teaches. And the first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism that I believe is just great, ask this question. What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Or another way to put that would be, what is the purpose of life? The answer? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Our chief end, our main purpose in life, our greatest need is to worship God. Do you see this is the ultimate need of your life? Is it the ultimate need of your life? Do you see that when everything else fades away, when you are dead and gone, all that is left is praise and worship of King Jesus. The question that you must ask yourself now is that will you be making this confession that Jesus is Lord now out of obedience to the gospel and the call from the scriptures? Or will you be making this confession later in judgment even after you have rejected Jesus Christ? Is Jesus everything to you right here and right now? This passage here in Philippians 2, this is, this is reality. This is the truth. That every knee will bow your knee. And every tongue confess your tongue, your mouth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Are you worshiping Him? Are you worshiping Jesus? Is He he everything to you? Now, after hearing and meditating and studying this wonderful passage, this hymn, specifically the exaltation of Christ, you're probably responding in one of three ways. And a lot of you I see responding in the first way, and it's so encouraging to me to see your faces. You're going... Thank you, Wilson. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for, for putting this in some categories so that I can praise and exalt Jesus in my life, in my mind, in my heart, with my family. Thank you. I am worshiping now because I see Jesus. He's highly exalted. Thank you. Or perhaps you're sitting there right now and you've just never really given much thought to Jesus. He just doesn't really mean anything to you. You have no knowledge of him at all. Well, let me challenge you to get to know him. Let me challenge you to see that he is your greatest need. He is everyone's greatest need. Our greatest need is to worship him. Jesus is God. So worship. But maybe some of you are sitting here right now, and you really don't care. I mean, you're just completely apathetic right now. I mean, your mom made you get out of bed this morning. Your dad told you last week you were going to church. You're home from college. You thought it'd be nice to be sitting here with mom and dad at church, and you hadn't been to church all semester. I mean, you just really don't care. Just apathetic. You're a child, and you think, eh, I'm just here with my parents. This is a dangerous place to be in. What I'm telling you is dangerous. Because whether Jesus Christ is highly exalted as the Supreme Lord of the universe is not a choice that you get to make. <laughs> it's a truth. You must deal with Jesus. Christianity is not a value system to help you live a better life. It's not a philosophy of, to help you get further along in life. Christianity is about a person. It's about a savior. It's about a king. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And being apathetic about Jesus is a perilous place to be. And so I beg you, look to Jesus and be as simple as a child. You can sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's all it takes. Don't be apathetic about Jesus. Look to him. Because Christmas is about Christ. And Christmas should have a very profound impact on our lives. And so are you bowing your knee to Jesus Christ and worshiping every day with all of, with, with, and giving him all of your life and confessing that he is Lord? Are you doing that? And if that's, if that's hard for you right now, if you're really struggling with doing that, take a Bible home out of the back of the pew if you don't have one, or download the app on your phone and camp out in Philippians 2, this hymn. Read it over and over and over. Meditate on it and think about this hymn at Christmas time, especially if you've never considered Jesus. Consider what this passage is saying. The eternal. Son of God, the very God, the name that is above all names. He humbled himself by becoming a baby and being born in a feeding trough. And I have helped my father put food in a feeding trough in his barn and it is disgusting. And he was, Jesus was born into one of those. And because he became a person, because he became a human being in the flesh... We, we now see him. We know him. We have writings about him. We can worship him. And one day in heaven, we get to touch him. He's a savior that we can see, that we can know, that we can worship, that we can touch. And there is no other religion that makes these claims. None. Go see for yourself. Don't waste too much time there, but go see for yourself. There is, there is no other. There is no other God who has done what Jesus has done. There, there is no other salvation story that is as great as the Christmas story and the Easter story. This is why we make much of Jesus. This is why we highly exalt Him. This is why Christmas is awesome. It's because of Jesus. It's, in my family, we love birthday parties. This is the best birthday party in the world. And if you're not a part of it, you're missing out. When I was growing up, I didn't really grow up in a Christian home, but I remember down the street from my grandparents was this huge mansion. And this mansion, they didn't do much for decorating for Christmas, but he did put a banner out in his yard that was about from here to that wall. I mean, it was that big. It was a long banner. It had lights, floodlights flashing on it. It was a white banner, and it said, Happy Birthday, Jesus. (laughs) Happy Birthday, Jesus. Christmas is awesome. Christmas is about Jesus. Gordon Fee says, Whatever else the Christian faith is, whatever Christian life is all about, it finds its central focus ever and always on Christ. And therefore, all attention in heaven and on earth is to be given to Him. Our attention is not to be about mansions in heaven or streets of gold or seeing our relatives there one day. It's not about Santa Claus. It's about Jesus. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship Jesus Christ as Lord who has been exalted to the highest place and now lives and reigns forever forever. And Paul says in Ephesians 1 he is watching over and keeping his church, you. Friends, Christmas is about Jesus. And at Christmas time, we lift him up. Let us super exalt him in our lives, in our hearts. And let's go tell others. Let's go tell it on the mountain. Let's go tell as many people as we can. Merry Christmas, because it's about Christ. And we're about to sing, come, let us adore Him. He is Christ, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we freely confess to you this morning that we often leave Christ out of Christmas and we even leave him out of our Christian lives. Lord, help us to see that he is the one that we long for. He is that great gift from heaven that we need. He is the one that we adore and praise and worship and help us to see at Christmas time and every day of our lives. That when we are worshiping Him, when we are bowing our knee to Him, we are confessing that He is Lord. We get the greatest joy to the world. Let all the earth rejoice. It is for us. We thank You, O God and Father, that You have super-exalted Jesus. And so help us to see Him there. Help us, we pray by Your Spirit, to exalt lives. We pray this in his holy name. Amen.